This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code SPEAKING. Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all my episodes on speakingpodcast.com. I'm also on BitChute and YouTube as Speaking Podcast. I would also like to thank the audience because this week I jumped from the top 1% of podcasts to the top half percent of podcasts. So I'd really like to thank my listeners for that. And, and also I've got the Awakening Podcast, the Learn Polish Podcast, the Meditation Podcast, and the Crypto Podcast, and all can be found on roycolin.com. Today, my guest... All the way from Washington, please welcome Daryl Williams. Hey, good morning, everyone. Or evening, where you afternoon, where you are. <laughs> well, I always like to, you know, my guests to introduce themselves to the audience. So, Daryl, you might let people know who you are. Sure, Roy. So, again, my name is Daryl Williams. I am the uh, CEO of Alliance Seminars Coaching, which is a faith-based organization and veteran-owned organization. Right, that provides uh, services under the umbrella of coaching, motivational speaking, as well as certified workshops. Uh, my wife and I actually do this together, and we've uh, worked throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, which is D.C., Virginia, and Maryland, because they're all kind of similar, close together. And basically, we really just try to meet the needs of individuals or even organizations uh, that just may need guidance, especially when it comes to the speaking part. Uh, a lot of people are looking for, you know, keynote speakers, somebody that can come in and just, you know, motivate, share, encourage. And those are the things that I love doing, especially from my uh, 20 years in the military as a leader and working about 15 years for the White House Communications Agency, doing a lot of traveling and supporting different uh, presidential administrations. But in all those experiences, try, I always try to take those things, kind of put them into a speaking uh, platform and then whether it's a school or an organization or a faith-based organization just go there and try to meet the needs of whatever it is that they want for their audience excellent uh, very impressive and yeah, it's interesting actually you mentioned you're doing it with it with your wife because i've seen in business not just in i don't know have i ever come across somebody in the speaking field doing it with their wife which is fantastic i've seen it right. in there's a few friends of mine that they actually work with their wives and it really works but i know it can actually not work as well so what's the secret to that because i'm sure you've actually you know had to work it out as you progressed along right well i think for us one of the key things we do is kind of uh, one stick in each other's lane right and then two we try to support one another and then three we make sure we don't do all our events together, but the ones that we do together, like most of those are under the umbrella of relationships. So we add a dynamic to that, you know, from a tag team perspective where, you know, I'm speaking to the husbands, she's speaking to the wives, and then we'll flip it in the middle where I may speak to the wives, she'll speak to the husbands, and it just has a natural flow to it. And I think it works for us because the main goal is we really, really want to increase healthy marriages. So when the goal is to leave that group better prepared, better equipped, then you can't help but to want to work with your wife and that to show them this is what it could look like, not necessarily working together in a business, but just having that natural friendship to want the other person to succeed. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. So I know because I, I, I've, I've got a few people that have been in the military and I've seen 
they're very brilliant at business. Whatever way, whatever that happens in the military, basically it, it trains you to be very systemized and everything. But I want to know you as a child, how were you to, to get to the point where you became a competent speaker? So great point. So I think for me, I grew up in a place called Compton, California. And early on, I can tell you what really helped me, Roy, was my mom was very religious, very spiritual, made us go to church when we were younger, didn't want to go, right? It was like, why am I waking up so early on Sunday morning? This is ridiculous. But I tell you, Roy, it was the best thing that happened to me because in church, right, there's always roles to play, right? They need somebody to read the scripture. They need somebody to read the announcements. Right, they need somebody to take the lead as a youth play, and even though you don't want it, and if you do get it, you're hoping you don't get the one with the most lines, right? Because it's more to remember. But I tell you, Roy, it was the best thing that happened to me because speaking in church as a youth, when as I grew up, it just wasn't a big deal for me. It was like I've always done this, so it's almost tell me which part you want me to play. You know, what point do you want me to get out of this? And then transferring to the military, it's all about leadership, speaking, delivering messages, doing training. So it was just a natural fit for me, um, especially just growing up in the church. And in uh, like the military, because there's times, you know, that you really have to get the message across and everything. Have you got, you know, so like what kind of, because you'd obviously, you know, perfect yourself over the years. What have you learned that have made you better? Well, one thing I loved about the military is every time you go to a certain leadership rank, there's leadership training that's involved. And the military does a great job of preparing leaders. There are some leaders, Roy, that are quiet, right? But in the military, it's like you can be a quiet leader, but when it's time to speak, we need you to speak, deliver a message, and train. So I think one of the best things that helped me in the military was being at those leadership schools. And then they'll ask you know, you like, you know, which topic do you want to talk about? Because you get graded on this, Roy. It's like, you have to deliver a message to your peers and it has to be factual, right? It has to be motivating. They get to ask you questions. So you got to do your homework. And what I would always do, Roy, to put pressure on myself, I would ask the uh, leaders, you know, which topic um, normally has a low score associated with it? Because we have to take tests while we're in leadership training as well. And we give each other the training. That's all a part of it. Like you are responsible for your peers graduating and passing. So I would ask them, you know, what topic do most people kind of not score that well in? And they'll give me that topic. And I always took that topic, Roy, because now I put extra pressure on myself and put pressure to make sure that I help my peers, you know, regardless if there was an average score of 70%, I want to make sure that when I finish, they all get at least 90% or above because the material was delivered in a way that it was easy for them to understand. And with the government then, what what kind of transition did you make when you were actually involved with that? So I'm still with the government in a certain way, uh, do a lot of consulting. And from there, I got more into the people skills, Roy, right? So there's a training out there called the five languages of appreciation in the workplace where you know, 79% of workers feel like they're not underappreciated. So one thing I do is the certifications that kind of work within my personality and within my vision and goal for our organization, 
I get become certified in those. And then I go to those organizations and deliver that type of training. Because again, to me, it has to be something of value. It's like, I don't want to go in here just to make money, but I'm going in there to help your organization become better, feel more appreciated, develop the leaders around you. So doing those people skill type training um, definitely helps me when I um, deliver at different um, parts of the government or the organizations. What about when you go into some of these trainings and people are made go there? I know there's sometimes people want to go there, but there's other times, you know, people, their bosses making them go to this. Like, how do you overcome that kind of, you know, resistance? That's a good point. So normally when I do my research for the organization, I'll ask them, how much time do I have? And what is the makeup? And what I purposely try to do, Roy, is I say, hey, if I can do one session with just the leaders, and then one session with the employees, right? Then that works out because I get to hit them both with what they need. Like for the leaders, uh, some of them think they don't even need the trainings and they're the worst ones, Roy. They're like, oh, I'm just here because the, the higher, higher boss may become. But once we start talking about, you know, principles of leadership, which none of them can really challenge me on that level. I mean, working in the military for 20 years, working at the White House, flying on Air Force Two, it's like, what can you really tell me about leadership when it comes to taking care of people that, you know, you've already mastered? And a lot of them, they think they're great at it, Roy, but there's always another level of leadership. So what I do for the leaders, I really try to prick them and challenge them. Like, what, what can you do better, right? When's the last time you showed an appreciation to your coworkers? And the ones that are hardcore and, well, they all need to be appreciated. They're getting a paycheck. It's like, yeah, but what if their motivation is not money? then what do you do? And then for the employees, I talk to them from a perspective of what is it going to take for you to become a leader? And some of them are like, well, I don't want to deal with the lead, be a leader, right? I don't like dealing with headaches, right? But I challenge them to say, well, what happens if those jobs are tailor-made for people like you that can bring balance to the workplace? But if you have a fear of being in charge, then we may not get the best leaders in those positions, which means you may find yourself working with someone that you may not like. So I try to put it upon them, Roy, that they have to take a personal interest, not to be in charge because of the money or the title, but because there's something inside of them that needs to come out and it's only within them and they're the only one that can deliver that type of leadership. Excellent, I love that, yeah, brilliant. And you've done uh, some uh, keynotes as well, yeah? Yes. Yes, uh, very fortunate. Uh, the last one I did was for um, Strayer University, which is a uh, adult learning uh, organization here in the United States. Uh, have a lot of different campuses throughout the East Coast and the South. And that was really special. Uh, when I talked to people about that, when it was a part of the speaking part where the audience was quiet and Roy, you could hear a pin drop. When we talking about you were like in a, and almost like a basketball arena, right? Filled to capacity. And to hear like, like nobody saying anything. And I don't know why, Roy, just seemed like even the baby stopped crying during that time. <laughs> and I got concerned. I'm like, man, am I really like doing this right? Am I, you know, are they getting this message? And it wasn't until I said the final thing, they started clapping. So when I turned around and the chancellor you know, greeted me and I was, and she was like, oh, great speech, great speech. I was like, thank you. I hope I, you know, got the point across. I don't know, if, you know, what happened there. And then when we went to the back to take off our robes, 
uh, the chancellor came back and said, wow, what a great speech. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't too sure how it was going because they were so quiet at one time. And they basically were saying, yeah, but do you know why they were quiet? I was like, oh, I didn't think about at that time. And basically she said they were quiet because they were hanging on your every word. It was like everything you said, you brought them in. You made them feel like they were a part of the picture. And that was one of the first times that had ever happened, right? So it was just really good to know that even as a speaker, there's always another level that you can go to. Excellent, love it. And how do you prepare? Because you know, some people are doing keynotes, some want to do it, and you know, there's some people they struggle with it. So, what way did you prepare for that? That one and others. Well, definitely that one and all the other ones. Uh, one thing I always tell everybody, Roy, is you have to find a mentor. Find someone that's already either in the speaking business or you just know they're just a dynamic and great speaker. And there's a guy I have, his name is uh, Joseph Simmons, um, call him Jake. He's phenomenal, Roy. I mean, it's just a natural thing for him. And always put my research together and I run it past Jake. Say, Jake, here's what I'm thinking about saying. Here's the audience, here's the intent. And he just gives some great points and he never tells you what to do Roy but he asks questions right you know what do you want the artist to get out of it what's your opening going to look like what are your three key points that was another thing he always said you know give them something they can walk away with that's not too hard to remember and the best thing Roy that he always told me I'll never forget was the three B's be brief be good be gone <laughs> I never <laughs> forgot that <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no but I, I think some people, you know, they get to a level and they think they don't need a mentor, but it's always great because, you know, there, there's some people, they're just constantly going ahead. And some people are just brilliant at actually analyzing, yes. you know, because like say it's the Toastmasters kind of field that I've been in, but mm -hmm. you get some people that are very good evaluators and they're just, they spot so many different things. And, you know, each time, if you're paying attention in the audience at a competition, you're going, wow, that's so then you take it on board. What advice they've given to somebody to try to incorporate into your own speech. So true, Roy. That is so true. And I love what you said about paying attention. Right. I think speakers get in trouble when they look at themselves and only try to learn from themselves and are not willing to go out and realize that there's something new that we can add. And again, that's not about us being a great speaker. It's about us delivering a great message that can either encourage or motivate or help someone grow. I know you've done some workshops. Yeah. So like that's probably with the with, with, with your wife as well. But mm -hmm. like same kind of thing. I'd like to know how you're struck because it I mean I've done 120 or so interview everybody's got their own way and i think someone then will resonate with you even what you said you know earlier the three b's eh? i've never heard that before and i love it i think it's brilliant so i just like to know how you organize your workshop what what way you kind of you know like do you have notes around to trigger give you trigger points what's your strategy oh that's a great point so when i do the workshops um one again just like giving a speech i always talk to the person that's bringing me in and I just asked that number one question, what do you want the group to get out of this? What do you want them to walk away with? Because to me, Roy, it's not about hearing my own voice, right? It's I want them to walk away and say, man, that guy, Roy, I love what he said about X, Y, and Z. And I want them to realize that what Roy said at those three points he made, I can actually implement those points in my life right now, right? And 
when I do my workshops, uh, one, definitely audience participation. Again, even in the organization uh, or even a small setting, there's always that possibility of somebody that doesn't want to be there. So for me, I like those people because those are the ones with permission. It's like, hey, can I use you as an example? Can you help me with this particular part? So in the workshops, and I love those because you get the instant dialogue, right? You have the instant feedback. And then I always like to throw something out there to the people within the workshop, you know, whatever that topic is, like, hey, what is a challenge or a myth or something that you really would like to get the answer to as it relates to appreciation, as it relates to leadership? And one thing I found, Roy, is normally there's 10 other people that want to ask that same question. So now we get to really talk about not just what's on my paper, but something that they have a vested interest in getting an answer to. And then what I do in those workshops, Roy, is once I get that answer and uh, share it, I go around the room. I say, I believe that everybody here has something to add, right? So then I'll just go to each table and say, hey, if you don't mind, if one person could just add a little bit to that, what else would you say, right, could make us um, show more appreciation to those that work for us in the workplace? And then everybody in that table gives an answer, Roy, and I always go back and reaffirm them that, you know, all of us have something to offer. I just happen to be the guy in the front today. But what I've learned throughout my whole career is we all learn from each other. Whether you're a quiet leader, whether you're an out front leader, just know that we're always stronger together. So when I kind of pass those type of themes, I think those that already like to be out front, it encourages them to keep doing what they're doing. And those that are quiet leaders, it encourage them to know that even though you may be an introverted or quiet leader, you still have something that we need to hear. Brilliant. And like, there, there's obviously some people, they have the skills. Because I've seen in, in business sense that a lot of the time, say in the a trade sense, like say a fitter and a plumber, they tend to promote the best plumber, best fitter. And in a lot of organizations, which doesn't tend to be the best leader. And the ones that probably would, they do sit back. They're, they're just... They're scared. They're scared of the whole kind of polit politics that goes on in companies as well. What's the best way to get into their mindset to actually get them to go, hey, I want this? I think for those individuals, I always try to, because I do coaching as well. And one thing I always try to do is try to allow them to see the benefit of a mentor, right? The benefit of joining leadership groups. Because you're right, a lot of them, they are fearful, right? Speaking is one of those things, like I said, it's not for everybody. But I always share at some time in your life, you're going to have to say some type of speech, right? Whether it's at a wedding, a funeral, a friend's retirement, you know. So instead of waiting for that situation to come and become more terrifying, what can we do early on that can prepare ourselves, even in a small way? And try to meet them where they are, Roy, find out their background and you know, where do they work in the business and then find out is there an opportunity somewhere where you can give some type of speech and they may say something like yeah they're always looking for people to do maybe a lunchtime something something and then i just offer my services to the roy and say well hey how about you and i work together and we can put this thing together and then you can be prepared to do it down the road and that's one thing that i have found that when people work with someone not trying to change them, right? Or give a speech that's not them, 
but find out, you know, what are your passions? You know, what do you like about your job? You know, what do you wish could be better? How can we incorporate that in the speech where you're not tearing down the organization, but you're offering some positive to, to it? And that just seems to kind of work out for some people. I know that you've got, because I, I, on your website, you've got all the different certifications of the coaching that you do. Because mm -hmm. the other thing is there's some people, they'll do it in a, a two-hour online course or something like that, and they call themselves a coach. So I'd like to yes. know your your approach to coaching. And do you still have kind of like a mentor or some other uh, somebody that makes you stay on, you know, sharpening the saw as you are a coach? Oh, great point, Roy. So yes, I definitely have a mentor. And it was funny. Uh, when I finished my MBA as an adult, I didn't finish it while I was in the military. I was calling one of my mentors who happens to be an army chaplain. And I was calling him to, you know, basically, you know, he's one of my, I call accountability partners, right? He keeps me accountable. If I say I'm going to do a goal or set a goal, you know, we contact each other once a month. And when I had finished my MBA, I had called him to let him know that, hey, I finished my MBA. I don't need you to hold me accountable to that anymore. And Roy, instead of him patting me on my back, he asked me, what's next? And I was like, what do you mean, what's next? I just finished an MBA program with three young children. Nothing's next. I'm done. And he challenged me, Roy. He was like, no, no. Leaders are always learning. Leaders are always trying to add something to their toolkit, not to make you better, but to make others better. And I was really frustrated, Roy. And I was like, well, I don't know what's next. What do you think? Right? In a really sarcastic way. And he told me he just got a coaching certification. And I was like, why are you getting a coaching certification and you're already an army chaplain? That makes no sense. But once he told me about the training and, you know, the aspects of coaching where you're asking deep questions instead of telling people what to do with a mentor and sharing your experience, I just thought, wow, what a fascinating approach, right? I knew a little bit about coaching, but I didn't know the whole thing. And I did my research and sure enough, the one that he went to it's probably one of the least expensive ones that were out there. And then it dawned on me, Roy, was, hey, this is something I can do with my wife. So I asked her, like, hey, what do you think about us getting certified as coaches? And uh, we did it. We did the level one training, and we loved it so much. We went back almost a year or year and a half later to do the level two training. And with the coaching part, what I love about it is, again, it just brings you to another level of how you can help someone. And then for me, not only do you develop peers within the coaching program, but then you deliver, uh, develop other relationships with other coaches. And Roy, I didn't even realize that within the federal government, there's a federal coaching network. So now you're connecting with not just coaches that you went into the class with, but now there are these other coaches under the International Coach Federation within your region. And so for me to stay alert and to stay competent and relevant, right, I have a set of coaches that are accountability partners that we just, you know, talk to each other and hold each other accountable and ask each other also, you know, what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with? Because if there's something that they're going through, I might not have the answer, but maybe I can do a little research and say, hey, Roy, based on our topic we had last week, I found this book, I found this website, take a look at it, see if this can help you. So you're right, even as a coach, having an accountability partner and having mentors, even as coaches, can always help keep you relevant. 
And, and one thing in the military, I know that they train people well and, you know, they keep you fit. And I think, I don't know that people actually think about that, but, you know, sometimes, you know, like uh, you'll have a speaker on stage and then you'll have somebody else that's just sweating buckets and they don't, you know, they're really not looking after their health. You might kind of, because I think it's not just about the body. I think it's the mindset as well when you're actually looking after yourself. That is very true. Uh, mental health, mental awareness, uh, they are so key and crucial. And, and you brought up a great point. The body will show you different ways that it's going through a particular function that may not be as healthy for it, whether it's, again, excessive sweating, shortness of breath. I mean, there's one thing of being nervous, right? Because I always tell people, if you're nervous, that means, to me, that just means you care about something right but there's another thing where your body is going through some things that may not feel natural and it's on a longer time period so definitely being mentally prepared is one of the big things that you're right a lot of people might miss out on and again that's why it comes it's so great to have those mentors because a great mentor will let you know that you can't just prepare physically right but you also have to prepare mentally and if you don't know what that means, that mentor can give you examples, can tell you what they do, right? When they do their preparation. And some of it, I mean, it's something as simple as getting enough rest. Sometimes Roy as speakers, right? We get caught up in the next one, the next event, right? And we're filling up our calendar so much where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When are you taking time off for yourself? Well, I'll figure that out when I don't do another speech. Like, no, you have to plan that just like you plan your speeches, right? Get away, whether it's with your family or even if you just by yourself, go get away and just go read a good book, right? Do those things that you like, those hobbies that you may put to the side because you're starting your speaker business. You know, I always try to people try to maintain that balance because when you maintain that balance, like you said, Roy, it definitely adds to your mental wellness. And, you know, when you're doing um, speeches with, with your wife, do you stay in the Washington area or are you actually touring the states? Uh, so we definitely tour the different states. Uh, most of them, because the children were younger at that time, we try to do things within a certain region. But now that they're getting older and don't need us around that much, uh, we're definitely um, expanding out more to other places and locations. But most of the times it is definitely within the region. And the thing about this, uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. It is huge. I mean, it's just one of those areas, a lot of businesses, a lot of professionals. So uh, we're really fortunate where there are so many opportunities within those three states and within this region. Uh, you can make a living just in this area and never have to leave the state. Okay, that's that's a good uh, good complaint to have, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, like uh, I know this with your own uh, uh, website, like what, what, what Alliance uh, Seminars Coaching, and you you're you're in a speakers kind of uh, what's it, what was it called the speakers hub. Yes. So, like that's basically all speakers put their details into this hub. And I mean, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this I've never seen something like that. I thought, oh, this is brilliant. Is that right. like you're cross promoting then as well when you're kind of directing people to there? So you might tell people a bit about that. Yes, I would say for speakers or coaches or workshop facilitators, obviously it's great to have your own website, but it's also not a bad idea to cross promote. And what I mean by that is finding other platforms that fit your niche. Like for me, 
Um, again, I do motivational speaking, write keynote addresses, but then also do workshops and coaches. So if there is a website that doesn't really promote speakers, I may not want to put a whole lot of effort into that, right? But then if there's a website that's, like you said, Speaker Hub, which is, you know, uh, you can join it for free, but if you want a little bit more hits, you know, you can pay a fee. But for me, I try to look for the free stuff. And But what I found was the cross-promotion really does help you because, like, I did a Google search on myself yesterday, right, just to see what would pop up, right? And a lot of the images from Speaker Hub popped up. So for speakers, uh, realize that you may not get a lot of hits on your website, but there are some other platforms where you may get hits, which can also take them back to your website. And again, Roy, that was just one of those things I got from a mentor. I never would have thought about that. All I thought about was you create your website and you hope that people go to it. But then when you're a part of different groups, again, Toastmasters, speakerhub.com, and then there are some affiliations that are out there that may fit your niche. So, you know, you may be with a group that's called, you know, the Speakers of October, right? And you join the Speakers of October website, you add your free information. So now they go to Speakers of October, and then they click on Roy Coughlin. It's like, oh, Roy has the website. And then they go to Roy's website. So now you've just done yourself good justice by cross-promotion. Yeah, and the thing as well with like the speakers hub because they'd have x amount I'm, I'm like yourself i take as many things as i can free because if you all these different things they start adding up you know you've all oh, these different yeah. subscriptions and it's like yeah you've a big chunk on out so the best thing is if it's free brilliant like the the pod match you know there's, there's a paid oh. version but to be honest with you i'm after having some including yourself some fantastic yes. guests and i think it's a fantastic service but for, for me, as a podcaster, it, it makes life so much easier. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, people reach out constantly anyway in different directions, but it just makes it where you can systemize it. They have a very, it's just the way it's done. And I, I think people don't realize that whether it's the coaching, the speaking, whatever you're doing, for me, podcasting, getting into that group, because some people think that they're, oh, I'm getting in with the competition. The reality is there's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of business and you learn from each other, you know, and you can just you know you, with the pod matching you can just check the other guys that are in the charts and you go oh i like the way they've done this that, that and you learn from each other and the same with the different speakers people can see what speakers were there you go oh i'd like to have him as a guest and my audience is different to the other guy's audience and just the same as yourself you go on to a different podcast totally different audience totally different experience you know you might talk about something totally different and you know and that's enjoyable right you know i, lo I love that fact Roy, I love what you just said and definitely want to give a shout out to Alex if he's listening, the creator of Podmatch, because that has been one of the best platforms um, that I joined. Again, just like you said, you know, being able to sign up for free, being able to get my message across to so many different people. I mean, I wouldn't even have met somebody like yourself had I not known about Podmatch, right? And for you as a host, you have a great experience and it's kind of different. But me as a guest, I get just as much out of these, uh, not as much as the service, but just to meet great people, right? I mean, I would have never met you, Roy, and I'm just enjoying the conversation. I love the topics, everything that you're sharing in between, like you're you know, reinforcing, you know, my thoughts about different things and how to become better. And again, just like you just said before, joining Podmatch has nothing to do with speaking, has nothing to do with coaching, 
but yet it is another element of cross promotion that you know you're not doing it for the intent to get more customers like my wife and I we joined Pod Match because we felt like our life has been so enriched that we have to give back it's like and just like you said you know how can I help someone become a better speaker well now I can join Pod Match do a great show like yours share my tips share my little resources for free you don't have to come and pay to get me to say these type of things i want to give this type of information and just like you said roy every show is different but my goal is always the same i want to make sure when people hear roy's show about speaking like wow i learned something new listening to Darrell today i like how he said get a mentor i like how he said get an accountability partner i never would have thought about those things so you're exactly right doing things like cross promotion and being on a platform like Podmatch can definitely help you, whether you're the giver or the receiver. Absolutely, and I, and I think as well, you know, when you're get, coming from a place of just giving, because I mean, I've got a few of the podcasts, they're all free and I don't, you know, I don't have sponsors on it or anything. I just do it from mm -hmm. a place of giving, but it comes around. I think life just kind of comes back. You get, you get, you get goodness from just doing that by serving, yes. it, it comes back in different directions. Totally agree with that. And that's another good point, Roy, for your speakers. If there's people out there that's trying to do speaking as a true profession and you want that to be your only source of income, hey, more power to you. Um, but know that sometimes the business doesn't allow you to start off that way, right? So I always tell some people that like they always see me out there, they're like, hey, how can I be like you? How can I be a speaker? And I tell them there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But one way I tell people is, Keep your day job until you get to a point where your income can support that. Two, always tell people, Roy, see if there's a place in your community where you can meet a need. I used to call myself a motivational speaker even before I became a motivational speaker. And they were like, well, what are you talking about? You go to different schools and you speak at schools. That's not motivational speaking. In their mind, Roy, they think motivational speaking is the Tony Robbins, the Les Browns, right? all those great guys. I'm like, yeah, but that's another level of speaking. There's also a different level where this school may not be able to bring in a Willie Jolly. They don't know Willie Jolly, but guess what? They know Roy Coughlin, they know Darrell Williams, and the message that Darrell and Roy share with those young students is still motivating, it's still inspiring, and it's still impacting. So to me, the definition of motivational speaker is somebody that's speaking to a group that's providing motivation. It has nothing to do with the money you make. It has nothing to do with the size of the audience, right? But it's about, like you said, that goodness that comes with it. Now, granted, the more you work on your skills, the more that you become this naturally gifted speaker, those speaking opportunities will definitely present themselves. Um, but I love what you said about the goodness, because I really believe in that, Roy, that if you just make yourself available and try to meet a need in the community, um, a lot of times that can be the jump off point for your speaking career. I remember Roy when I retired out of the military. And again, I just felt this overwhelming desire to give back, right? I worked at the White House for 15 years, right? I was flying on Air Force Two. And then it's like, man, what do I do with all this knowledge, all this experience, right? It's like, I, surely I wasn't doing that just for that. And I was like, I got to give back to these schools. So I remember Roy calling a couple of schools in this area. I said, hey, you don't know me. My name is Darrell Williams. I want to come speak to your students. And they were kind of like, who are you? And why do you want to come to our school? Do you have a kid that goes here? 
I didn't have any kids that go to, went to the school, bro. I just wanted to give back. And funny enough, I got rejected. It was kind of like, okay, um, don't call us, we'll call you type of thing. And then I remember reaching out to a counselor and I was like, hey, I was trying to help out a school and they didn't, you know, receive me. You know, what am I doing wrong? And at that time, they were just saying that sometimes, you know, people call for false pretenses and they're trying to make money, right? So they were telling me at that time, you know, you really do need to put together a website. And then when you call these schools, send them to your website. And I'm like, oh, got it. So that's why when you go to even on my PodMatch site, you know, I have the pictures of me with the presidents, right? Pictures of me receiving awards. So then when I reached out to the schools, it was like, hey, I would love to come in and speak to your students for free, right? If you have an event and you need a keynote speaker or whatever the case is, I would like to make myself available. Here's my website and my information. And Roy, that's when they would say, oh, this guy is great. Not only did they bring me back to the school, but they said, hey, next year we have these career days, which are really big here in America, right? Where we bring in different people from different parts of life. Could you come in and be one of our career day presenters? And that was one of the best things, Roy, because now I have this smaller audience. We can go one-on-one. And it was so good that I was able to bring in other friends. They're not speakers, but they've lived amazing lives. They do amazing careers. And I would say, hey, guys, if you want to do something good for the community and get a little bit of goodness, the school had this career day coming up next month. I think you'd be a great fit. So just me trying to reach out and be a speaker opened up another door to not only help the schools, but to give exposure to some of my other professional friends that probably would have never found that opportunity. Excellent. That, that, that's amazing, actually, the fact that you were trying to offer your services and you got rejected. Brilliant, brilliant tips there. You know, people, you know, because there's some people, they wouldn't find out why. So to us, you know, but you have a consistency of always having the mentor and the coach, always having somebody that's able to go, this is the reason. Because sometimes, I mean, even for me, if there's something in business or whatever, I'll always, you know, I'll reach out. I'll have a few people I'll reach out to. And I go, am I wrong here? You know, because sometimes you can have a clash. And I go, maybe it's my ego, maybe something. And, you know, just, yes. it's, you know, it's great to have a kind of a circle that you can, you know, touch base with. So fine, this is a, a strange one. But uh, like, you know, I've seen your pictures and the pictures with the presidents and everything. Has that? Because in Ireland, nobody really cares about political parties, but I, I mean, I see it in America. It's like you're one or the other. Has it affected the people actually look and go, oh, you're, I, I won't mention any political party, but just that they kind of side you with that. Does it affect it or is it that people don't even go that way? No, you're right. Some people do go that way. So one thing I let them know, like I said, if you see, you know, especially America, there's kind of two major parties, right? Democrat, Republican. So I made a point when I put my website together to make sure I had a picture of a Republican leader and I had a picture of a Democratic leader. And uh, when people call me and they say, hey, you know, which group are you with or something to that effect? I'm like, no, 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 no. The job that I have, we supported the office of the president. So it didn't matter which organization within there, we've had to provide communications to both based on their different roles. So one thing I try to do, Roy, when I do speak to somebody that's kind of trying to figure that piece out, I let them know that I'm not coming there to talk about any type of political agenda or 
to say one person is better than the other. My intent is to come there, if it's a school, to let them know that these are the things that took me from a poverty type situation to a higher level of professionalism. If I'm going to an organization, right, I'm not going there to, again, uh, support a particular party. I'm going there to let you know that the leadership principles and the mentors important to me allow me to grow from this level and to support the highest level of government. If you would like me to share those types of tips and traits, then I'm the person that can come in and speak to your organization. So I use it mainly as a source of reference to say, because like you said, Roy, sometimes even if you want to do pro bono speaking, people still want to know like, okay, why do I bring in Darrell? Why should I bring in Roy? What's, what's Roy's niche? And sometimes it's hard for people to get to your niche because they may not see anything that jumps off the page, which is another great tip for speakers. You have to find something that makes you different, even though you're passionate about a topic, but unfortunately due to the competition, you do have to find a way to make yourself, you know, just stand out just a little bit more. So I'm just fortunate where when people see the pictures of the president, right, it kind of cuts down on some conversation and say, okay, you already got my attention. Now tell me how you can help me. <laughs> Excellent. Love that answer. Brilliant. Brilliant. Listen, Daryl, it's been fantastic speaking to you. How can people get in contact with you? Hey, Roy, uh, two simple ways. My uh, website, allianceseminars.org right alliance seminars.org uh, we're also on facebook with alliance seminars and then you mentioned the third one i always forget about it which is speakershub.com speakershub.com and you'll find darrell williams and uh, i want to say roy this has been definitely one of the best shows that i've been on just to be able to speak with somebody to have that same passion that same energy for speaking that's always good and i'm forever ever grateful to podmatch for allowing me to meet people like yourself. No, no, I totally enjoyed it. And I know that the listeners will as well, because as always, it's, it's strange that you, you know, I can have over a hundred episodes and everybody brings something different to the table. Sure. You've, br yeah. you've brought a load of golden nuggets as well, which is fantastic for the, the listeners. So listen, Daryl, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. That's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find us on speakingpodcast.com or on BitChute or on YouTube. Be sure to give us a thumbs up five-star rating, share with your friends. Until next week, take care. This podcast is sponsored by Coolabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to coolabula.com and put in the discount code SPEAKING10.